Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. It's always quite exciting to me when I get the chance to learn about something new and to educate my listeners along the way. I was joined by a local educator named Mark Athens. He is a leatherman. He does fire play. He helped bring back the, the pride parade here locally. Uh, he is a man of many talents and proclivities. <laughs> it is always so exciting to me when someone comes on my show and is just completely unabashed about who they are and what they like and just talks about things so casually. Um, so yeah, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, on today's episode, of course, we discussed fire play and how that can play out in both erotic and painful ways. I learned about how he got into leather and he gave me a wonderful history lesson about that. The leather community and leather men specifically. Again, since he is an educator, he gets the opportunity these days to travel to different conferences and he gave me some of the places that he not only enjoys going uh, to teach, but also to just kick back and have some fun and, and learn himself. Mark also let me in on some of his favorite myths to dispel about the leather community. And you might also recognize his name because I featured him in my very first pitch column titled Polyamory in the Pandemic. And so he gave me a little update on how his polycule is, how it's going. I'll just say how it's going. I don't want to give it all away. <laughs> And I have happily got one more thing to tell you about. I have decided to partner up with Bathmate. If you've never heard of Bathmate, it is one of the leading penis pumps on the market. It's something that I have been recommending to clients who have been struggling with certain functions, uh, things like being able to maintain an erection, sometimes even being able to get an erection. But Bathmate is a brand that I've been happy to recommend to my clients for a few years. So I was really happy when they approached me about becoming an affiliate for them. So if you go to bathmatedirect.com slash coach Kristen, or you can go to my socials, there is always going to be a link in my socials, of course, for Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. But yeah, you can check the show notes and I'll also have a link to Bathmate Direct in there. Thank you. Thank you as always for tuning in. I really appreciate all the new listeners out there. Y'all are why I keep doing this because people keep tuning in. I keep getting messages from people asking questions, you know, thanking me for covering certain topics, all those things. But if there's something that you would like to let me know that or a topic that you want to know more about, if I don't have the answers, I will find someone that does and have them on as a guest. Email me, Kristen, at OpenTheDoorsCoaching.com, and I'll see what I can do for you. All right. Please do enjoy this interview with Mark Athens. So if you ask me, I think that kink and leather absolutely have a place at Pride. And here to talk with me about that today is my friend Mark Athens. I interviewed Mark recently for the pitch, talking about polyamory in the pandemic. And you might you know, just recognize him if you were at all tapped into the leather or kink community. So welcome. 
Hello, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm very glad to finally have you on my show. I mean, I say finally, cause I, we've definitely talked about this for a while. For sure. Just yeah. sched- schedules finally lined up. Plus I was really like, oh, you know what? I've got to think about pride content. This is a conversation I've been wanting to have. So first off, Mark, can you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely. So I, I identify as a Leatherman. I'm pansexual, poly, and a kink educator. I've been in the lifestyle for almost uh, nine years now. Um, started out when I was about 28-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, always kind of knew I was different than most, and my sexual appetites or sexual interests were very different than most. Mm-hmm. And so was my primary partner at the time, my wife. And uh, we figured, you know what, we we cannot be the only ones that they make kink porn for. There has to be other people buying this stuff other than us. Um, and so we started looking for a community and we found a home here in Kansas City. Um, uh, from that, started learning my primary kink, which is Fireplay, and became an educator pretty early on within that first year. And then the world kind of opened up to me. I started traveling the country and speaking and doing different engagements and education classes and getting as involved as I possibly could. Um, Because ultimately what it is that we do isn't out there or readily available at times. Um, And so that's kind of a quick synopsis about what I do and how I came to be. Mark, you know, I know exactly what that's like when, when you can't find the educator that you want for yourself, sometimes Absolutely. you educate yourself and then become that for the community. So for, for sure. And I was the, the little leather kid running around asking everybody all the questions and almost pestering people like, why do we do this? Why is this important? And, and learning as much as I can. And, and, you know, I hope to be able to be that resource for the next person that comes in this lifestyle, trying to, uh, figure themselves out and, and who they are. Hell yeah. And I respect that desire to ask why, mm-hmm. um, that that's about consistent improvement. Like Kaizen, you ever heard of yeah, the, the Japanese? Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All you're wanting to do is make sure like, are we doing things because it's just the way they've always been done? Or is it because someone a long time ago figured out how to do it right and they perfected it? Or have we maybe deviated from that? Let's just ask ourselves some questions and 100%. be okay with that discomfort of like, I don't know why we do it that way. Absolutely. And what I found is like most people had different answers or reasoning for what it is that they do. And so it was kind of fun to steal a little bit of this and a little bit of this and make it my own Mm -hmm. um, early on. And so the asking of the questions was probably the greatest thing I did for myself in kink than um, actually being an instructor or anything else along those lines is because I took the time to ask. You came at things with a curiosity, it sounds like. That's what you have to do, absolutely. And that's the thing that I feel like I end up helping so many people with. It's just that initial stage of like, well, okay, I saw this. I don't really understand it, but I'm kind of starting to look into it. And that permission piece to just be like, it's okay to explore that. You may never, ever do that thing. But looking at media, taking in like erotic art based on that thing going and seeing it done at the dungeon that sometimes can suffice but then other people of course they want to get involved so you know you mentioned fire play which i was first introduced to in person when i went to the 12 kinks of christmas several years ago 
Yeah. Were you the instructor in like 2018? Probably yeah. yeah. Okay. I thought so. Yeah. I thought so. That was one of the more fascinating stations for me because I was always that little girl playing with the candles and for sure pissed my mom off. I said that like sleep in my shirt on fire one time. She was screamed at me. She's like, I told you to not play with those goddamn candles. And like, of course, I was crying because I was scared because it was pretty big flame before I put it out. Right, right. It did not disrupt my pyromania. Very rarely does it. It it usually just actually grows. You're like, I survived (laughs) that. What else can I survive? I'm very good at building campfires. I can dig it. I mean, there's a lot of things we can do with these things. Right? Exactly. It's a skill. It's a skill. But but your skill with fire play, tell tell us a little bit more about what fire play can look like in a few different you know forms. And and some of the there's some safety precautions I know that you have to take with that too. So tell us more about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So there's an old phrase, you know, if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Um, and so that that rings very true with what we do, and here's why. We apply fire in both the erotic, sensual sense, as well as the painful sense, um, and we can manipulate that sensation based on what our ultimate objective is, or who we're playing with, or whatever that release needs to look like. Um, and so we use everything from white rain to uh, give a sensation of indirect heat on the body, running trails up and down the body, to using fire floggers, which are basically floggers that are, mm-hmm. you can light on fire, mm-hmm. uh, to fire bubbles that shoot fire columns off of somebody's back five foot high. I mean, it's really how far do you or are you willing to take it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so with what we do is, is we try to mitigate risk the best that we can. We can't eliminate risk. Risk right. is always going to be there. And uh, being able to control fire is almost laughable because fire lets you play with it. You don't play with fire. Yeah. So if you don't respect it, <laughs> it's, going it to, right? it's going to come and bite you in the ass, so to mm-hmm. speak. So for, for me, we mitigate risk the best we can. And part of that is, is fire hoods to keep hair from burning. Um, we try to avoid lotions and perfumes and things like that because those things either trap heat or have added alcohol in it. Um, and we try to think of different ways that uh, could go wrong and mitigate those circumstances. I would love to say that I haven't had an issue before. However, I burned half my beard off once. Um, yeah, yeah, because uh, I decided that I was the fire god and was not paying attention to wind direction. And when I kicked off the fire bubbles that blows a, a five foot high flame, it the wind shifted and came back in me. Oh, one of my favorite stories for my my submissive is that she was acting as my safety, and it's the one time that she got to hit me in the face with a wet towel. Uh, so so she she loves that story because she's like oh yeah I was on it I made sure that I got that fire out good girl yeah yeah it was a good time good time but for for fire play it can literally be something super erotic and sensual and sensation feeling and, and very intimate or it can be something very extreme and intense and almost scary. It, it really depends on the creator of that scene and, and who the top and who the bottom are. And so it's a really fun medium to kind of see where you can go with it. Very cool. It may be something I try one day, but it is for sure something that I enjoy observing. <laughs> right on. Well, like you know, whenever you're, for that. whenever you're ready for that plunge, let me know. I know who to call. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's the great thing about doing what I do. Like I didn't know shit about shit about the local BDSM community. I, I mean, I knew about a lot of the terms and 
sort of the, yeah, just, I guess the things that I educated myself on throughout the years, but I didn't know anybody here locally that right. practiced, but man, I had just that one friend who was like, would it surprise you to know that I'm like really heavily involved in the King community here in town? And I was like, no, that does not shock me <laughs> at all. Right on. Um, <clears throat> yeah. He so the doors open for you and he like did. I was yeah. I was thankful that he helped me get vetted so that I could meet all these like wonderful, amazing people. So right on. you being one of them. I am curious, just as a quick follow-up, since uh-huh. I I talked to you for my polyamory in the pandemic piece. Uh, you are are you are things still going well? Are you still living in the same polycule? Yep. Perfect. Absolutely. So things are going well with me and Athens owned and puppy. Um, we've been together with puppy for, we're coming up on almost five years mm-hmm. in fully June. Um, and then Patty is coming up on the 20th anniversary of our relationship. Um, with Congratulations. that, thank you. It's been a really amazing journey. Um, lots of like self learning and, and different styles of communicating and it's been a journey. I mean, there, there's a whole book to be written about that. Um, but yeah, we're doing great. We're still all together. We're planning to, uh, move in probably in the next four years as a full-time polycule in the same house. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have goals and, and still loving life and living the dream, so to speak. Very good. Very good. You know, I, I think for a lot of people, the, the pandemic was just one of those things that, you know, it just gave them the ability to look around and go like, yeah, we're like, we're solid. We're doing good. If you can survive a pandemic together that lasted like two or three years, I mean, gosh, you can survive just about anything I would imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually kind of happy for some of the people that found their voice or found clarity you know, mm-hmm. through the, these last few years. Um, and, and, and if anything, clarity, just to see like, Hey, things are fucking great. Right and now. Like Absolutely. we we're, we're building some cool stuff here together. We want to keep that going. So for sure. For sure. Now you are a part of the K- Casey pioneers, which so I'm not actually okay. a part of that leather club. Um, oh, you're I not. was okay. part of bloodline for a while. Um, bloodline. Thank independent. You. Uh, which okay. means that I'm just kind of out just enjoying life and not really affiliated with one club, but I'm involved with all clubs. So, I mean, it's not like you need to be in a club to mm-hmm. be into leather. So oh. let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. Um, when you first got into leather, were you introduced to it by someone who was in a club and sort of brought you in, or was it just like, how, how did you have someone sort of introduce you into these things? So it was actually by accident, as weird as it sounds. Um, so I went to my very first play party with CKC, which is Consent Kansas City. It's a yep. large organization here in Kansas City. If you don't and, know Consent uh, Kansas City, you can find them on FetLife. You can check the show notes for a link to that. Absolutely. You can also find them on Facebook if you prefer not to have a FetLife account. They're on yes. there as well. Um, and so I showed up to my first party as this over the top, super electrified kid who knew nothing that thought he knew everything. <laughs> you Isn't know? that how it always goes for, right? right? <laughs> no, so I went into the venue and I was like shaking hands with submissives and hugging tops and like standing in the middle of people's scenes and like, oh my God, I want to know everything that is about this. And I overzealous. Had this other- 
<laughs> I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. Looking back on it, I'm like, oh, I don't know how I like did not get kicked out of the venue. Um, but I had a leatherman who was quite a bit older. His name is Master Wu and he's from Scotland. And he came up to me and he looked at me in his, and said in a Scottish accent, you done fucked up young man, come with me. <laughs> And I went, ah, uh, crap. <laughs> and so, so he took me to this table that had all the consent Kansas City leaders. And I literally sat there for like four hours just listening to these people talk and tell stories and what are basic etiquettes and things of these natures. And mm -hmm. I like to say I got a, a master's class education just sitting and listening to these yeah. older men talk about their stories. Uh, Wu or Master Wu later took me under his wing and said, hey, um, we've talked a while and some of your idealisms match up with this lifestyle. Um, can I start sending you articles and links and, and books and things and have you read it and see what your thoughts are? And that kicked off a good six to eight months of just email two or three times a day back and forth talking about different topics and different historical references and values and morals and ethics and things like that as it pertained to the lifestyle. And it came a day where he was like, I would like to uh, give you your first vest and I would like to start a leather family and, and create what we've talked about over the course of the year. Um, and so that's kind of my foyer into it, I guess, because mm -hmm. I got lucky <laughs> is a good way to say it. Um, I was brought in really early in my relationship with BDSM and mm -hmm. I haven't looked back since. So that is a, a big deal to be gifted your vest, right? It was to me. Um, it was something that kind of acknowledged that I was putting in the work. And mm -hmm. it was something that was important for the relationship between me and Master Wu that, you know, as long as I wear that vest, I'm wearing what he taught me. I'm wearing those conversations and I'm wearing the memories that we've had together. So for me, it was a huge deal. That is really beautiful. Thank you for that. Yeah. Now, as an educator, I'm sure that there's a, obviously there's a fair amount of, of teaching people the, the, the do's, but, um, you know, I think you sort of have to be in, into it to understand some of those things. I, I want you to help un, help people understand the myths that exist. And, and I want you to do some dispelling right now. What, when people have started to come into the community now, and they're asking you questions, what are, what are some of the biggest myth that you come across people like spewing your way oh man so so early in my career or not career but lifestyle it was oh these leathermen they're super dirty and extreme and mythical beasts of of on high and then I got into the leather lifestyle I was like these are just people like me who like weird shit <laughs> you know they're, they're not these we're better than you or we're, we do things um differently than you it's we have this particular understanding between each other of respect, and this is kind of how we do things, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's no one way to do it. So early on, it was, these are just extreme people that you can't approach. Mm -hmm. um, nowadays, it, with the Fifty Shades of Grey book came out, it's been really interesting to see the different questions you get, mm -hmm. because you get a lot of like people who look at you and are like, oh, do you have these salacious contracts and, 
and do you do you fly your girls all over the world to do the, the horrible things and and they have this mythology of what they've read which mm-hmm. might be their only point of reference to what it is but it's almost hilarious to listen to it because it's like no we don't write these massive contracts because inevitably there's going to be something that's left out and you're going to stand there and go um what do we do now there's nothing in the contract that says what we should or shouldn't do so it's not effective (laughs) um we can't travel the world in that sense of just bartering submissives and things like consent doesn't work that way right yeah. um so it's super interesting to see as bdsm culture has and and leather culture has become more mainstream the questions become a little bit more ridiculous um because that a lot of people's only references to what they've read online or seen in porn or heard on the radio or watched in a music video and and they come in with this idealism of what it is and then it's almost initially a disappointment when they realize that's not how things actually work Mm -hmm. and then they start learning how things work and they're like okay this is actually way cooler than what i thought it was (laughs) (laughs) there you go Well, um, I figured that Fifty Shades had had its impact. Um, I I couldn't make it through the books. I really couldn't. I I got like, I think I got to the the greenhouse scene. Yeah. I, I I mean like I the writing was just so rudimentary. It felt like I was reading at a middle school level, but adult content that made me feel weird. Absolutely, and and. <laughs> being a Leatherman for a few years prior to that book coming out and, and still traveling and seeing the world is, is one of those things that I read it and was like, this stuff is initially, I was like, this stuff is crazy. This is absolutely not how this works. Um, But then at the same time, I was kind of happy to see it come out. And the reason why is, is because it did perpetuate our lifestyle into the mainstream. It demystified or caused people to ask questions about it and made it more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some ways it did good, in other ways it just burned it to the ground. So I, I'm kind of up in the air with it. It's definitely a mixed bag, I believe. Um, I, I definitely have had clients and friends say that they have been more open to the idea of things. And I think more willing to think of some of the things that they did or were willing to do as kink. Whereas before they were like, oh, I'm not into that kinky stuff, but then recognizing, well, but letting him tie you up is, is kink. Yeah. Letting him blindfold you is kink. Letting him spank you is kink. So Calling him daddy in the bedroom and doing what he tells you to do. That is kink. That's a power mm-hmm. dynamic. Um, role reversals is a power dynamic. I mean, mm-hmm. if we look at mainstream media nowadays, it, it really is becoming more and more prevalent and culturally accepted mm-hmm. um, to some degrees. And that is huge because if mm-hmm. you look at our history from stonewall to leather to whatever a lot of these things that we do in our private practices were not acceptable and in some places criminalized mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. it's kind of great to see it come out a little bit more and more absolutely well and i do of course want to ask you because you mentioned stonewall stonewall mm-hmm. being the start of pride and we are on for my first episode in pride month so i i definitely have some questions about 
let me just put it this way to the listeners. Um, I was at pride last year and, and of course it's the first in-person pride that we had had. And, um, the thing that I noticed was that the leather tent was, was closed for sure. And, you know, as an outsider looking in, I just, I thought about like, man, they're just being censored. Um, so, but, but maybe that wasn't your perspective. Um, but I understand that this year there's not going to be the enclosed tent. So I don't know, just tell me more about the, the leather community and your involvement with pride. Okay. So I, I would like to start initially of where Leatherman came from, because I think mm-hmm. it's important to kind of tell that story. Yeah. So Leatherman came back from World War II um, and found a community or culture that pretty much shunned them because they were gay. The ideology at the time was they were weak. They were wannabe women. They were all these things, which these dudes just got back from fighting Nazis. <laughs> they were far <laughs> from weak. They were far from a feminine people. Um, and so they created a culture around uh, leather and bikes and extreme sex acts and this idea of rebelling against society um, because society said you shall not. And they said we absolutely will. Um, mm-hmm. So with that mentality of rebellion throughout history of pride and, and things of that, they've been involved, whether it's been on the front lines of marching for gay rights or working with uh, AIDS groups or raising money or even all the way down to Stonewall where they were literally fighting in the streets um, for what they believed in. And so it was that civil disobedience and that disobedience against society that formed the attitude of leather. Uh, Fast forward to pride um, nowadays when you talk about, oh, there's a tent there. We, we involve ourselves a lot in the consent culture and making sure that if you come in and see these extreme sex practices or thought processes or, or engaging in flogging or spanking or whatever the case might be, that you as a person, as a human being, have the right to consent. So we put that tent up um, to, do, to be able to do what we want to do and allow people to come in but you have to take that first step over the threshold and say, this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm not here for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, at first I didn't really consider that. I mean, I I did eventually, but at first I was just like, people are just putting them away in the tent. And then I was like, wait a second. If they're, and I kind of like peeked in, I was like, oh no, they're not just like here to inform the public. They're doing things in there. So, but like, also at first my mind kind of went to like, what are they just trying to like keep the kids safe and keep them away from kink. But I think again, that kink and leather has its place at pride and leather doesn't always have to be about kink and and kink isn't, they're not, they are not intertwined so much that you can't separate the two. They have, they each have like their own things, but yeah, I think that they're because of the history of it, that there's so many people that assume that if you're in, in leather, you're going to just start whipping out the like crazy sex stuff right in front of their kid. Like that's not, that's not what happens. (laughs) No, no, not at all. Um, a lot of times if kids are around, like those activities would stop pretty quick. Um, I had my mentor and my leather daddy, Okinawa, tell me a story where he was marching in San Francisco and a kid looked up at him where he was in his chaps and his, 
his leather thong and bar vest and chest harness. And he goes, you look just like out of Mad Max. I hope I can be you one day. I mean, so like kids <laughs> didn't notice what we mm -hmm, do and mm -hmm. that we dress differently, but it's not so much that we're throwing it out there for them to, to ask questions of themselves, but for adults and for people who are curious, it is a consent culture. And ultimately you have to take those first steps for yourself. Absolutely. Thank you for helping me and everyone else learn more about that. So for sure. um, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Okay. And when we come back, I mean, there's always more to talk about when it comes to uh, kink, leather and fireplace Jesus. So we'll find Jesus. stuff and Polly, who knows what we'll come up with. So anyway, let's take a quick break. All right. It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute, so stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. I think that next is sort of talking about, you know, what you talked about early about being an educator and traveling quite a lot. Okay. Um, tell me about some of the, the conferences or things that are out there so that and tell me about some of your favorite experiences recently all right and then we'll kind of get into talking about yeah out of town dungeons we'll get to that one okay that's a good one um i'm also a part of the pride for kansas city mm -hmm. um and we did the first pride parade in kansas city after 20 some odd years in 2019 which i'm super proud about oh there hadn't been a parade for a long time because I, nope. again, so I, just, the, I wasn't paying attention. In the 1990s was the last Pride Parade, and it succumbed due to uh, the, the city raising all the costs to be able to hold, hold one. And it also succumbed to the change in ideology of we need to make it more of a family-friendly event instead of these floats with half-naked men and women on it. We need to make it these tents and all this prettiness. So fast forward 20-some-odd years, I'm fist fucking West and he's like, I want to do something special. And that's how we came up with this grassroots movement, which is pretty cool. So I don't know if you want to talk about that. There's just all kinds of things that we can rabbit hole down and, and do some crazy stuff with. Oh man, with what you just said, I'm kind of like, man, I just want to like clip that in somehow. Yeah, it's good time. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we, the people who were a part of that first parade are now actual organizers for the pride parade that you're going to see uh, last year and this year and in future days to come. Are there two, didn't two pride organizations end up forming? So we're talking about Kansas City Pride Alliance. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Which is the guys from M City. Yes. Okay. And so then the other one was Market Days, and that was the original Pride organization. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not 100% sure all of the updates as of late, but what I do know is, is the head guy was being um, investigated for embezzlement. Mm -hmm. And then the second in command also had a pedophilia charge. Yeah, that's it. what I had heard. And so consequently, people were like, that's not who we are, and that's not what we represent. Yeah, yeah. And so it's what. <clears throat> Cool. Well, let's kind of like talk a little bit about that. <clears throat> not like about the details about that, but just we don't have to talk about the one not to go to. We just have to talk about the one to go to. For sure. For sure. Cool. So 
Okay, back from the break. Now, Kansas Cityans might notice that over the last couple of years that there's a um, couple of groups out there that are promoting pride activities. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the pride the pride group that I know that I'm volunteering with some for some this summer is the Kansas City Pride Alliance. Which is an amazing organization. Yeah, yeah. I really, I liked, uh, oh, what is it? Clint and... Stan, Clinton yep. Stan. I interviewed them uh, for another article talking about getting your local leather goods, which we might for talk sure. a bit more about the more you get, the more you like to get your leather goods or yeah. more you send people. Um, but yeah, those guys seem really cool. And um, it was really good to see them revamp the, the pride parade, which had Absolutely. taken a hiatus for a while, but you were a part of that, right? I was. So um, let's see, it was 2019. I had a fisting partner named Wes and uh, we were fisting and, and just doing salacious things. And during a break, he was like, you know, I really want to do something impactful that Kansas City hasn't seen for a while. Um, that Sorry, would... but you were just talking about fisting and then you said doing something impactful. I We were doing some things. Okay. But, uh, never my, yeah. my, I, I mean, I still laugh at dick and fart jokes. Come on. I mean, all good ideas come from doing something salacious, right? Like (laughs) I could not agree more. Um, So I was talking to him while he was in the sling and I was like cleaning my hand off and things getting ready for round two. And we were had this discussion about (laughs) like, what, what could we do that would be important and meaningful? And so we settled on the idea of a parade. So Kansas City didn't have a parade uh, since the mid nineties which made it roughly 20 some odd years. Mm-hmm. And from that, we were like, how do we do this within three weeks of the parade? And it was mm-hmm. super early. Um, and so we decided to do a grassroots movement and we've got, we got a bunch of organizations together. We partnered with the Visibility Project out of LA and they sent us uh, 52 identifying flags, which was everything from sexual identity to uh, kink identity. And we put them on poles and we ended up marching through Berkeley Riverfront Park. Mm -hmm. Um, What was cool about that was, is as you marched by, you could hear people say, oh, that's my flag or that's me or I feel seen or or things of these natures that just kind of weld pride up into you. We were like, I'm doing something that's important. Um, And from that, we speared head into 2020, which COVID kind of shut everything down. But in 2021, a lot of those leaders who were a part of that original Pride Parade became leaders in the Pride Parades that you see saw last year and will see this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this thing that's kind of evolved over years that has become bigger and bigger every year, which was really cool to see. Um, to be able to say I got to be a part of that in some small way was is one of those more proud moments I have in my journey so far. Cool. Well, I'm marching in the Pride Parade this year. absolutely yeah i'll be in it happy to are you going to be with the leather crews or are you going to be with another crew or i will i will be with the uh mid america lgbt chamber so i'm one of of the chamber ambassadors so um you know it's funny we actually do have a few members that wear some of their like subtle yeah where like i know what they're doing and there's a few other people that like you know if you know you know Yep, absolutely. Um, flagging a little bit. Flagging a little bit. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when you're new, that's something that people don't even know about is the whole flagging sure. process. And how do you signal to other people that you're in a certain lifestyle 
Absolutely. so that people know that you're either safe to speak to or like, you know, that wait, wait, no, oh, hey, we can talk about right. this later, whatever. Um, but yeah, it was, it was like some little things like the cuffs. For sure. Yeah. Um, the cuff on the left or the right or yeah. Mm-hmm. When I was wearing uh, like leather, um, gosh, I mean, they weren't, I guess they were leather suspenders. There wasn't a harness. They were leather suspenders. Yeah. And I, I was like, well, I like your, your new leather. He was like, yeah, I'm getting a little bit more bold with, uh, with signal. <laughs> like, it. I love it. Do I it, man. It. For sure. Wear the like- full chest harness when you get to that point. Like, I'll be here for it. Yeah, rock it out. Like, um, it, it's it's great with flagging because flagging allows you to talk to people in, a, in an environment that maybe you shouldn't be talking to people like that with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an easy way to identify what people were into and what they were looking for. And so it made it super easy to have that hookup culture feel mm-hmm. uh, and get down to get down to business, essentially, really, yeah. which is nice. Yeah, something I had to get educated on in the last few years as I became um, a coach was about necklaces, mm-hmm. and locks. Yep. Um, I even one time when I was in a restaurant, I like picked up on it and I like turned to him and asked for the order, and he yeah. was just like, "Well done, well yeah, done. right." <laughs> yeah. Um, anklets with keys around it mean things. Um, swinger culture has has their stuff as well are you okay I get asked all the time about how to identify swingers and I'm like like I admittedly don't know enough about how to spot them in the wild and you know it's not about wanting to out them whatsoever it's just there are people that want to be educated so if you've got a few tips about how to spot a swinger signaling in the wild please please do tell so unfortunately I'm not a part of the swing culture however I do have taught a lot of swing venues Uh and so I picked up a few things of myself so like for example if they're a cuckold relationship or a hot wife relationship you might Mm -hmm. see a bracelet around the ankle or around the wrist that has a little key on it so that's one way to flag it. Um, right now on TikTok, there's people turning uh, pineapples upside down in their shopping carts. I actually have seen that a couple of times now. So oh, really? Like at the store, you've seen it yep, in action. And so, so one of the best ways I've found to approach situations like that without outing somebody is, hey, does that that necklace or does or call it a collar or whatever have any special meaning to you and allow that person to say yeah no it doesn't have any meaning or yeah it's something between me and my husband or me and my partner or me and my girlfriend or whatever um so that is kind of how I approach it so if I see an upside down pineapple in a shopping cart I might go hey does that have something special meaning to you and let them tell me um so those are some of the things a lot of swinger culture too uh it's it's touch based so They'll put their hand on the shoulder to show interest and things like that. So if you're at a party and you're seeing somebody who you know is not a part of that dynamic and is going over and touching another partner, that might be a symbol that, hey, they're, they're interested in swinging as well. Can I say that's one of my things that I am sort of like, eh, about what the swinging is, the touching, the non-consensual. I want to go to a swingers club, but I don't want to be touched without being asked. And that's such a huge part of their culture that I'm like... Yeah, it's it's difficult. So what's kind of cool about being an instructor and being asked to teach and things is you're allowed to go into places that you might not necessarily be in and and get to observe. I'll tell you the first swing 
uh, group I went to, I, uh, I taught a class on needles and, and suturing. And when I went in there, it was very touch base. And then I did this needles and suturing and people were terrified. <laughs> um, so they, they did not do that moving forward. Um, but it is cool to be able to see multiple different cultures or ideologies or philosophies about alternative human sexuality and how they interact with each other versus how do they interact with other cultures that are around them. Yeah, yes, yes. Thank you for that because like, yeah. I don't have anything against people that swing. I mm -hmm. more power to them. And a lot of my clients have really, really found themselves through that practice and, Absolutely. and deepen their, their bonds and their relationships. So I totally respect the people that it works for. Absolutely. Um, we, my partner and I totally want to be in an, an open relationship for the, probably the rest of our relationship, but yeah. where that's going to fall under is kind of murky right now. And my, my whole thing with not wanting to go to a swingers club with him is that I don't think I'm gonna have a problem seeing him be touched, but I just know that that's something that I'm going to have to be like, Hey, by the way, let me just let right. tell you when it's okay to, to come up and touch me to put your hand on my leg. And Absolutely. I think I fit in very, very well in the kink community because I'm a high consent person. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so with that, it's one of those things that that's what's beautiful about these relationships and our alternative lifestyle is, is you can absolutely say, here's my boundary and here's where I'm not willing to cross. And it's perfectly valid and you make it whatever you want it to look like. Um, it's, it's beautiful. And so the fact that you know that that's a boundary for you is awesome. I'm, I'm absolutely pro that. Thank you for that. Yes, people do need to understand their boundaries and and just communicate about them. And that's I just need to keep that in mind when I go in. But yep. yeah, it's an experience I want to have because I'll try anything twice. For sure. And I haven't tried that yet. So <laughs> I think it's great. Uh, one of the best ways to do it is, is to go in with a group of people. Mm -hmm. uh, that yep, you know, that's that what you I've heard. Um, well, do you enjoy the Swingers Club here in Kansas City? I have not been in a while. I heard they renovated. Oh, did they? Uh, my friend goes there quite consistently. And he said that during the pandemic, when, you know, there was a time where she had it down, they, they cleaned it. The pool looks great. The, the deck looks great. Says it looks like the inside is revamped. So I was oh, thinking cool. about heading out there sometime. So. I might have to go check it out too as well. Like I say, I'll try anything twice. <laughs> done, right? <laughs> Why the fuck not? Yeah. So, and as an, so as an educator, you've had the opportunity to do quite a lot of traveling. I, I see you posting, you know, lately about going to some of these conventions and things like that. So, um, Absolutely. where, where do you, you go? Are, are you mostly, are you mostly going to educate or to, to get education or to have fun? Like what, what kind of the, what kind of conventions are you going to? So it's a little bit of both. Um, sometimes I get asked to come in and teach and, and I'll have a class list that they pick from and they're like, hey, we'd like you to teach deprivation bondage or barbed wire bondage or needles or whatever the case might be. Um, and then I have an opportunity to go to that event and, and teach and meet people and just kind of float. There are events that we like to go to just to be because they're crazy, they're over the top and we just wanna have a lot of fun um so it kind and with, of and uh, just for my personal notes what what 
events might that those be for those so people? one of my favorites is thunder in the mountains um thunder it is a mountains. massive event in colorado uh they have everything from pony play to impact play to needles i've seen fire I even saw some crazy uh, sexual stuff going on, like this cuddle puddle that was just massive. Um, it's just a wild event. I really enjoyed that event. Um, one of the other cool events that's really unique is uh, Crazy Winter Nights in Nebraska. It is a swing slash BDSM event. And so you kind of get to pop around in different cultures and have different experiences mm. and things like that which are really cool. Um, and then one of my favorites is South Plains down in uh, Dallas, Texas, which is an, a leather title event. Oh, and they okay. run the title Master Slave. And so being a Master Slave dominant within my own dynamic, it's kind of a family reunion of people of like mind. And so I enjoy going down there and just hanging out as well. So there's a competition. Yeah. <clears throat> Tell me more. Okay, so competitions originated back. Um, the big one was Chuck Renslow. He ran it out of Chicago. It later became International Mr. Leather. Uh, originally, the goal was to find the hottest Twinkie sexy boy, put him on the bar and have him raise money for the bar. Like that's that was their whole focus. Um, <laughs> as it became bigger and bigger into, uh, as it grew, it became something completely different and it was based on the community's needs. So in the 80s, the title holders were the people raising money for AIDS research and were talking about sexual health and safety and were really spearheading that charge. Um, in the 90s, they were spearheading the charge of equal rights and the right to be married and things like that. Um, and so the title circuit evolved over time. Um, nowadays, our, our people are running for these titles to be able to lead our community within trans rights and within Black Lives Matter and within all of these things, because ultimately the understanding is, is if you don't have equal rights amongst the heteronormative people, then what it is we do stays illegal and stays taboo and stays mm -hmm. hidden and is more dangerous that way. Absolutely. I, I don't know if you've ever heard me say before that there is no sexual liberation without social, racial, and economic justice. Absolutely. Like, there, if we are not all who are marginalized in some absolutely. way, shape, or form, and we are absolutely marginalized for our sexual identities and our sexual proclivities. Absolutely. Um, yeah, if that one of us is facing oppression, all of us are facing oppression. 100%. Um, so these title holders throughout the years started out as hot and sexy and have become activists and, and speakers and, and people to look up to. I'm super curious to see what our next generation of title holders do with Roe v. Wade and, and what's going on in the, in the news right now. And how do, how do we as a community uh, combat that? Because yeah. that impacts, it doesn't matter who you are, that impacts everybody's sexual health. Thank you very much for acknowledging that as a, you know, cisgendered white male in America, you know, recognizing that more than women benefit from abortion as healthcare is absolutely, absolutely. vital. We need, we need more than just vulva owners <laughs> fighting absolutely. this fight. So yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's a tough one right now. 
It's a tough one, Mark. It's, it hits me very, very personally. I don't know if you've seen my social media lately, but um, yeah, my, my mom would not be here if it weren't for abortion. Absolutely. So thank you for saying that. Um, Planned Parenthoods and things like that provide way more than just abortions. Uh Um, My STD, STI testing that we do every uh, four months is through Planned Parenthood. Um, my wife's birth control, my, my, uh, girlfriend's birth control comes from Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. A lot of the early sexual education that I received was from pamphlets in Planned Parenthood. So, I mean, there's so much more that if you, if you infringe on the right to Roe v. Wade, you're not just infringing on the abortion aspect. All these other programs are at risk at that Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Well, and it all hinges on privacy. Absolutely. While it is not written into the constitution that every single one of us deserves privacy in our bedrooms, we absolutely do. We absolutely absolutely do deserve that right to privacy. So it's just, I feel like it's a a slippery slope. Very much so. And, And I don't think that they realize truly what they're doing because as these things start to happen, they are going to face some consequences too. So <clears throat> I don't want anyone to have to face consequences, but it just, it, uh, it infuriates me. Uh, I just, I don't even <laughs> I know. I understand. So I'm hoping our, our title holders or our future leaders of our community oh, yeah. really get involved in that and have a solid understanding of what our history was. Because if you look back, I mean, Roe v. Wade is the same as what went down with the AIDS epidemic, where the government said, we don't care that you as gay men and women are dying. That's the same thing as saying you're gay and lesbians and you cannot marry each other. You don't have that right. Mm -hmm. Now we're going after a a everybody with Roe v. Absolutely. And you no longer have body autonomy by our government. Like the, I hope that our leaders go back to those leather dykes and those leather men and say, how did you do this? And I hope we learn from that history and and make it our own and evolve it to today's times. Very well said. I think that we are at a time where we do need to look to some of our elders, although the AIDS epidemic took a lot of the elders away from us in the LGBT community. So elder is a relative term, right? For sure. Um, but these, these youngins, they've got a fire in them that is, they I think, do. unparalleled. They, they were born pissed. Yep. <laughs> they, they walked out of the womb pissed. Yeah. Yep. So like, 100%. I, I feel like I'm either elder millennial or, or, you know, late Gen X, because I was born in 81. And I, I feel like I had the analog childhood because I grew up in small towns um, right. and in the digital adulthood. So like uh, the, the cynicism in me about whether or not things can change is constantly battling with like the fire and the fury within me, but Absolutely. thankfully the fire and the fury has been winning more often than not. <clears throat> and my, my activist hat and tool belt has been on solidly for the last few years. I'm not going to just sit back and absolutely watch this shit happen and go down without a fight. And that is that leather mentality of this shit isn't right. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do to be able to do what I want to do. And it was very much that, that buckling and bucking the system. And so what's going to be cool is seeing a lot of cultures now bucking that system and mm-hmm. whatever it takes. 
So I did recently have someone buy me a leather corset. Oh, yeah. It unfortunately was a little bit small. Um, it, they bought it from the UK and I, uh, they just weren't, I guess, yeah, I get that. paying attention to sizes. But I have also put a little bit of weight on recently from the, the stress since my mother's stroke in the fall. But oh, no. um, it, she's doing great. She's doing great. Okay. But that cortisol reaction is fucking real, man. Your body will just like, poof. Like little yep, like puffer sure. fish. Yep. <laughs> so it's okay. I I'm mentally okay. My mom's okay. Like grandpa's funerals this weekend. That was kind of like the second thing that I had happen like right in a row. And like the stress just got to me, but I'm doing good. And hey, going to Pride is gonna be another like release. It's gonna be a nice Absolutely. little party. So um yeah, I think that it is absolutely essential that the LGBT community do the things that our elders did 50 years ago. I'm I'm actually watching Mrs. America right now, which is all about Phil Schlafly fighting the ERA and then some of the other women that were um, heavily involved in that, that fight through the seventies. And, you know, it it is about talking to your friends about voting. It's about making sure that everyone, you know, is getting out to the polls for every single election that they're voting for their school boards, that they're voting for the city council, that they're voting for, you know, their county executives, sheriff, whatever that may be, not just showing up every four years during a presidential election. Absolutely. Like this shit matters. We, and we also need to be running for office. Um, I actually saw on Twitter, this guy that's running for mayor in California that is following suit for this other gal that's running for Congress that they all started OnlyFans pages because uh, I think the gal, she said, she got someone that tweeted at her saying something like, oh, can't wait to see your OnlyFans page after your campaign fails. She's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just start an OnlyFans page now. Hell yeah. So like sex work is also coming into the mainstream. Um, I, I love, I love seeing it. Um, and, and I think that people getting more and more educated and being less and less afraid to just find their community. and get out there and be active but also educate themselves so i thank you so much just kind of rewinding for a second like explaining some of the the things that you've been to especially here in the region that's super beneficial for some of the people out there that might want to go to some of those things get out of town for a little trip and uh learn more flag fly a little bit and test Mm -hmm. those waters absolutely yeah so um either i will replace my leather corset with one that fits or i will (laughs) I'm about to buy a house and it's by cliff drive. So okay. I'll be there riding a bike a lot this summer. So hopefully that course, it will fit by fall, but if not, maybe I just need to find a place to, to get some leather of my own locally. Well, there's some places here in Kansas city that you can get some solid leather. What are some of your fa- favorite people to shop with or shop? So from? I personally love to shop with M city. Mm-hmm. Um, they have one of my favorite brands and one of my friends who runs the business is Marcus leaf, um, which and is leather, leather masters, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. So leather masters was one of those cool experiences. I ran for a title a few years ago and I told Marcus that, Hey, I needed some leather for this event. And he stripped me down in the middle of his freaking little booth. And let me try on all the leather, all of them. Like it was one of those memorable experiences of being half-ass naked in the middle of a booth in the middle of a room. That was kind of a cool experience. And so uh, for for that, he will forever have my business. What that's great about them is, is they do everything from you walk in and buy it right off the rack 
to custom work to alterations like anything you need to look and feel hot and sexy and and wear that hide for who it is or for who you are they've got it so those are usually my first stops is right there the rest of the stuff i like unique leather so things that you just wouldn't necessarily find in other places and a lot of times i find those in um, cons or conferences like South Plains or, or Colorado or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last place I do is I also believe in cheap leather. And what I mean by that is, is it doesn't have to cost you $500 for a pair of pants to go out and find leather and, and be able to rock it and feel good in it. So thrift stores, I've restored more pants and shirts and jackets and combat boots and things like that from thrift store beat up to dance floor ready. Um, and so there's all alternatives for you to go out and find uh, leather that fits you and makes you feel good, not at a $500, $600 price. Mm -hmm. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I did like this bustier, but it's just not quite what I was looking for. But like, I like that look. I just feel like that's, if I'm going to be in leather, that's going to be yeah. I'm going to look in the mirror and be like, yes, I feel powerful. And I feel like that's exactly how it should make you feel is yeah. empowered and hot and sexy and ready to take on the world and, and ready to beat my submissive. Yeah. Enemy. yeah. <laughs> Get after it. Like it, it should make you feel that kind of way because Lord knows Monday through Friday, working at a job that you don't always feel that way. And so to have that moment of empowerment is is those moments that are priceless. You can't put a tag on it. Couldn't agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. Well, Mark, this has been a fabulous conversation. I There's so much more we could possibly talk about. I'm sure I'm going to have you back on the show again. Awesome. Um, but hey, tell, tell the people a little bit more about where they can find you. If they wanted All to right. maybe hire you to, to come teach or, you know, just wanted to pick your brain Maybe finding so, through fat life. I can be I can be found on Facebook as Mark Athens. Uh, you'll find a image of me that just says "slut for leather." Mm -hmm. That will be how you know it's That's me. How you know it's the right person. Slut um, for leather. If you're interested to see what I do uh, with my partners or other play partners that I have, um, I have a Facebook or excuse me, a fat life. It is Sir underscore Athens three five seven. Um, that will have a majority of my content as well as my class list and also my travel schedule. So if you get onto that website and you just want to come out and learn something or hang out or tell me some cool stories about your leather journey, uh, just pop on there, find an event and come say hi. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I, I do hope to see you in real life again, very, very soon, whether that's at, at pride, you know, I, I'll, find you in the the parade lineup or something absolutely um, but you will have you will have a booth right i will have a booth uh or not i the pioneers will have a booth uh -huh. um where the uh leather crews will be kind of hanging around and, and partying and talking and sharing stories you'll, uh, you'll be I, a hanger honor with them right and just chilling and yeah saying hi to folks <laughs> so i mean it, which hey it's I, an open community everyone's welcome within the leather for, right Absolutely. So my, my view set is, is, you know, sometimes it's intimidating to go up to a group of people, let alone a group of people wearing combat boots and vests and, and all the things, but we're very nice until you consent to us not being nice. 
my experience has been that the leather folks are some of the most like jovial, like funny, just, you know, laid back people. They really are there. I don't, I don't take y'all that seriously when I see you all at the consent Casey stuff. Like I'm just like, they're just, they're just leather folks. They're, you know, you don't scare me at all. Well, that's probably good. Now, that's Mr. Salyut, so she, she kind of scares me in a good way. She's an amazing person. I really like her. Um, her and I have done some stuff over COVID and for, for classes together that have been phenomenal. Um, but yeah, leather folk in general, I mean, it's a celebration of our life. I mean, if you look at it from a stance of in the 80s and early 90s, leather men and uh, LGBT folk were dying off. Uh, we made it through that. We made it to the other side. And so to be able to meet in leather and hide and do all the things is a celebration. And that's what these events are for us. When we go to Colorado or Dallas or we go to our local venues or we do whatever, it's a celebration of who we are um, and maybe a community that doesn't really understand what we do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm always happy to see your joy. I look forward to seeing your joy at Pride. Absolutely. And uh, hopefully having you back again one day on Keep Them Coming. I can't wait. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes for stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the dirty bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, please subscribe to that list. Send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching, if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.